Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Yappy Hour, a podcast about navigating the waters of young adulthood through discussion of pop culture, existential crises, and self-reflection. I'm Leah. I'm Kat. And I'm Mia. Last week, we talked a little bit about how we're doing during this quarantine, what steps we've taken to take care of ourselves, and even what we're looking forward to once some of these restrictions are lifted. While we aren't able to travel anytime soon, we thought it would be fun to reminisce about past trips and vacations to places we've been and places we hope to go someday. I personally haven't been on a vacation in a while, and I think I need one ASAP, but I know me and Kat, you both had some nice adventures at the end of 2019. So I went to Japan in October. Um, I've been to Japan a few times for study abroad, but I haven't been there in the fall and I hadn't been there for fun. So it was actually really stressful planning a trip. I know people who love doing that. They love making spreadsheets and comparing flight prices and keeping track of Airbnbs and all that. But I personally hate it. So it was a learning experience for me, but it was really fun. I'm with you, Kat. I definitely am the type of traveler that likes to plan out everything but I do find it incredibly stressful at the end of last year I went to Vietnam for the first time and that was like my first time there but also just like an incredibly meaningful trip to me because my boyfriend's from Vietnam so it was the first time he had gone home in nearly like since 2013 so it's been quite a while so seven years um and I've always been really fascinated with Vietnamese culture so it was just a really important trip for me and it also was the sort of catalyst that helped me quit my job so um overall like travel was really important to me but like Kat said like I definitely am that person that is controlling over the details and so I totally know what you mean it's really hard to find personalities that work together when you travel did you guys I know you guys both had big trips and my last big trip was in 2018 I think uh so it's been a while for me and I went to Asia as well with my friend but before being adults and kind of funding your own travel and going with your friends did you guys ever go on big family trips because I remember one of my first my first international trip, I was in fourth grade to Singapore, and I don't have any memory of that, honestly. That's how I, I feel like parents, how can they take their kids traveling? Because it's kind of scary thinking you're spending so much money and kids aren't going to remember it. But I remember that was my first big international trip, and it was really clean, and I remember I just thought, I love Asia and I want to come back. <laughs> Did you guys travel at all when you were younger? Why Singapore? My dad had a work conference and I think it fell in line with a spring break one year so my mom thought it would be fun to go as a family. Now that we've grown up I feel like taking your kids on trips sounds like the worst idea ever. Kids just get tired, they get cranky, they don't want to do things. That being said though I've been to Disneyland like three times with my family. The first time was in fourth grade so I feel like when your kids are aren't in diapers anymore I feel like that's a good time to travel so I was 10 years old and then my brothers were 8 and 12 so we went to California I also have family in NorCal so we went to visit them and then we went a few more times throughout the years and then our last trip was actually when I was a freshman and my brother was a senior so that was our last family trip together and we went to Washington DC and I was so amazed like Mia's gonna be like oh I'm used to this but I was so amazed at how late the sun sets on the <laughs> east coast what time of year did you go? We went in August, and I would oh, look outside yeah. the hotel, and it was 9 p.m., and it was late outside, and I didn't understand what was going on. Yeah, the summers are long in New York. The sun just never sets. It's amazing. <laughs> so weird. Growing up, I actually traveled quite a lot with my family, and I'm totally grateful for that, and I realize that that's not the experience that everyone gets to have, but my family definitely did prioritize travel. We probably traveled, like, we did one big trip a year um, overseas, but for the most part, I would say we mainly stuck to, like, the Caribbean islands, because New York winters are really cold, and that's where we would, like, escape to for, like, Christmas and stuff, and then Europe was, like, a really big one. My mom's, like, loves Paris and stuff, so we went to Paris. We never really ventured to Asia. And I think that definitely pushed me to like want to travel there more as an adult because it was this untouched part of the world that I had never really been to. But we definitely did like the Disney trips. My parents and my grandparents lived in Florida and Disney World was a big deal every year. And we did ski trips and stuff. Typical like East Coast things. I think it would probably be different for you guys. Some would say like Hawaii is already a vacation. Do you think Hawaii like limited you guys from traveling or it was more of like a family choice? I think... 
it definitely is limiting. Like flights from Hawaii are just always going to be expensive and they're always going to be long no matter where you're going. For me personally, my dad's a doctor, so he couldn't take a lot of time off. So that also hindered our traveling and I guess um, just us all being different ages and like having different interests. I feel like the DC trip was the last hurrah before my older brother was like, okay, like I'm done hanging out with you guys, you know? (laughs) Well, so outside of the big international trip that my family and I took in fourth grade, um, my dad is from Texas and my mom is from Indiana. And my dad loved Texas. So we would actually go to a ranch a lot of the time and we would ride horses and he would go hunting. And I was really young at the time and I just remember hanging out on the porch with cats and learning to ride a horse. But the fact that I was from Hawaii, it definitely made the idea of a vacation a little bit different because I feel like people think of vacations as things where you go relax on the beach in tropical right. places. But I would be going to Texas to ride horses, or I'd be going to Indiana to drop my sister off at college and literally just walk a call around a college town. It was just a little bit different, but nevertheless, it was amazing always seeing new places. And I think it's really easy in Hawaii to feel like you're stuck and that Hawaii is the only world you know. So in a sense, is really eye-opening to see other parts of the world and just to feel like you're outside of yourself. I definitely took traveling, though, like my family for granted now that I'm an adult, because like you mentioned earlier, it's so expensive to travel. And the idea of buying plane tickets for like such small people, like as us as kids, <laughs> just the idea of traveling anywhere for more than two people sounds like a nightmare. And I definitely didn't t- I took it for granted as a kid. I don't know. I didn't have a care in the world. I was just like, yeah, I'm going on vacation. I didn't have to worry about money. I didn't have to even worry, worry about what to pack. Like my mm-hmm. mom would always like double check what I was packing and stuff and always had like backup toiletries for me and stuff traveling as a kid is like the dream and if you are young and traveling with your family like cherish it <laughs> i definitely agree so on the flip side have you guys ever taken any big trips with uh like a significant other or other friends and how did that turn out for you guys my last big trip was actually with one of my friends from college and I wouldn't say we were actually best friends so I was really apprehensive about traveling with her at first because I feel like there is an element of choosing who you travel with because you want to be on the same type of energy level you don't want to be the type of vacationer that likes to relax and not have any planned or the other complete opposite being someone who wants to go see all of these attractions or be out and about 24 7 so I was definitely nervous because I wasn't sure if we would be on the same wavelength it actually ended up okay and it was really fun (laughs) where did you go I went all over Asia it's been so long (laughs) I'm having a hard time remember but I think we went to Hong Kong Tokyo and Seoul oh and Taiwan yeah so just kind of bounced around that area (laughs) do you think you got closer to her after your trip Yes, I did. It was only about 10 days. So it's like just enough time to realize, oh, I actually like you and we're compatible, but not long enough to realize, wow, I'm kind of getting sick of you. (laughs) So it was a good length of time. (laughs) I think 10 days is like the golden, like perfect length for a trip. Like it's been like proven or something. It's like just enough so that you don't get too jet lagged or like used to the area you're in, the time zone, so that when you go back, you're not like dead. (laughs) What about you guys? I know, Mia, you went with your boyfriend. Yeah, so Vietnam, like I mentioned, was with my boyfriend, and he's originally from there, so I think that influenced my trip a lot because I felt like I didn't have to be as controlling, if that makes sense. Everything had to go through him because he spoke Vietnamese, so like our day-to-day or even like handling money, like I didn't keep track of any of that. Like He handled all of that, and I think that put me out of my comfort zone because, when, like I mentioned, when I'm traveling, I like to like know everything and like be aware of my of the itinerary and sort of like have everything planned out so it was really difficult for me to like kind of hand those reins over by the end I was like I love that I didn't have to handle the money I think that was like really good for me to sort of be pushed out of my comfort zone also for in terms of Asia like I mentioned I didn't travel there a lot as a as a kid and I think not speaking the language for me that was really hard because it was the first time sort of in my life where I couldn't communicate even if I wanted to I went on a trip to New York with my best friend and then her friend and her friend's boyfriend. New York is not my cup of tea. I'm sorry to say that, Mia. <laughs> it's not a lot of people's cup of tea. <laughs> I did I did like the experience that I did. I'm really glad I got to go. 
a few of those people were not my type of travelers and it was hard because it wasn't my best friend it was her friends that I didn't really wasn't compatible with traveling wise so I couldn't like really say anything to them because I'm not that close to them but they were the type of people who would sleep until noon and not plan anything we'd have like like a google map where we put all these pins for places to eat and stuff but that's it that was like the extent of the planning we had like a few shows that we bought tickets to but besides that we just kind of decided what to do on the fly and I am the type of traveler where vacation is not to relax vacation is to do as many things as I can that I can't do when I'm not on vacation and my best friend was the same way so we'd wake up at like 10 a.m which was late for us and we'd like look over at the other bed and they were still sleeping and we were like oh when, when's the day gonna start so <laughs> it was a little frustrating for me but at the end of the day I guess I kind of had to consider why they did that they just didn't want to be tired all the time you know they wanted to relax and I'm sure like their jobs were stressful so they didn't want to rush anything but I think I I learned that my travel type it's kind of annoying because I don't want to plan things I want someone to plan everything for me and then I want to just do everything right that's that's the way to do it I'm always jealous like of the celebrities that they literally hire people to plan out their entire trips. Like that sounds like a dream, but really expensive too. Also, New York's a really hard place to like do things on the fly, if that makes sense. Because everything moves so fast there, you know, like you miss your window of opportunity to do certain things if you're just like figuring out where you have to go next and if you're taking the train across town and stuff. So I totally see how that could be like incredibly frustrating. Yeah. And like the thing about New York is it's like like LA. If you're planning to eat somewhere, you have to plan in advance or you're gonna do it like a mm-hmm. two-hour wait and that's exactly what we did we waited two hours for our dinner and I was just so anxious because I was like we could be doing something else during this whole two hours where we're just standing outside the restaurant <laughs> what about hosting people like when you've had people come visit you definitely like I've felt stressed when I'm hosting someone like I feel like I want to give them the full experience but at the same time it's like so hard to plan out everything i definitely feel responsible for that person's enjoyment of the activities if that makes sense i just feel like anything i suggest they have to enjoy it otherwise (laughs) i failed as a host and i definitely felt that especially when people come visit in hawaii it's like they want to see all of those cool views and the isolated beaches and then the reality is I feel like I never go to the beach because I hate the traffic I hate being next two feet away from someone else who smells like sunscreen or is getting burnt I just those are the things that I personally stay away from and so to know that sometimes people come to Hawaii and that's like what they want to experience I feel very forced to make it a good time I honestly like when people visit because it gives me an excuse to do things like (laughs) I never drive up to the North Shore because it's just so freaking far and like parking sucks but if someone's visiting I'll do that for them but my problem comes when people want to experience Hawaii nightlife because I don't go out at night like (laughs) once it's 8 p.m. like if I'm at home at 8 p.m. I'm staying at home I'm not gonna get ready to go out so when people are like oh yeah take me to the bars and the clubs in Hawaii I'm like what I'm like no we don't like taking an Uber five minutes down the street is like 10 bucks. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be DD, you know? So that's where I get really stressed. All my feelings about hosting, I feel like I then just completely neglect when I visit someone else. Then I always want to be like you, cat, like on the move, and they're kind of just like, okay, I live here. I don't want to do every touristy thing. And I, it's definitely hard to remember, like to be conscious at least of the fact that you're visiting someone else's home. Yeah, I feel like when I host people, I try to pack so many things in one day, but then they're usually like tired and they're like, oh, I like, I just want to rest. I'm like, no, you want to go to the beach. You want to go hiking. Like you want to experience Hawaii. I'm going to give it to you. But yeah, I think it's like the compatibility in traveling is very important for any, like whether you're traveling with someone or having someone visit or visiting someone else. So I wanted to ask you guys, what are some qualities that are favorable in a traveling partner or traveling group? This is going to sound weird, but I honestly think language is a big one. And I mean that in the sense that if I can speak the language of the place we're going, and I'm pretty much talking internationally at this point, (laughs) or if the person I'm traveling with can speak the language, that is a huge compatibility factor for me. Because as Mia said, I've, I've definitely traveled alone and I've had that, that uncomfortable feeling of 
not being able to speak and communicate. And that's really terrifying in a foreign place. Yeah, it's awful. And so, especially when you're alone. And so I just never want to experience that again. And I think compatibility wise, I definitely value that in whoever I'm traveling with, that they can communicate in the place that we're going. Yeah, I totally uh, echo that. Until you've traveled somewhere where you really have no means to communicate, it's hard to understand how frightening it is. For me, something that's really important, kind of a just go with the flow attitude. Like I've definitely traveled with people where if like we miss something or if something just doesn't go as planned, it's kind of like a freak out moment. And I've just accepted when traveling that not everything is going to go to plan and you are going to have mishaps and you kind of just have to yeah go with the flow and readjust. Because I think people try to make their travel plans like this person moment and in reality like it, it probably won't be so mia you mentioned that when you went to vietnam obviously your boyfriend did most of the communicating and i know for you leo when you traveled to korea your friend did most of the communicating have you ever been on a trip where it was flipped where you had to do most of the communicating for you and your friend well, I literally only speak English. <laughs> in New York, you speak for me when I get scared. Like, why are they talking so fast? Or someone pushed me while we're getting off the subway. Like, you communicated in those non-verbal ways for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I can communicate in terms of like, I can be assertive when necessary. So if like there's an issue with something, I can just sort of address it head on. And that's, I guess, a form of communication, especially like even in Vietnam, there are a few times where like we were going to get ripped off and my boyfriend was just ready to let it go. And I'm like, no, like tell them this. But other than that, no, I just speak English. What about you guys? When I went to Taiwan, I can speak very, very broken Mandarin. And so my friend who I was traveling with. Give yourself more credit than that. No, it's very broken. I haven't been able to speak in a while. It's just one of, language is one of those things where if you don't practice it, you lose it. And I'm really sad that I don't have anyone to practice with. But um, I was the main communicator in Taiwan. And it was actually really hard because I feel like I couldn't, because I'm not fluent, I couldn't give her the full experience. Like if I looked at a menu and she's like, oh, what's this? I'd pull out my phone and enter the characters and they'd say, okay, it's this. But I wouldn't be able to fluently look at that and tell her exactly what it is. And I wouldn't be able to communicate some things. So I felt really responsible for giving her a good time again as if I were hosting, but then also not knowing half of the language. So... It was kind of a weird, weird place to not be able to help out, but then also be the only link they have to being there. That's how I felt in Japan when I traveled with one of my friends. Um, she knows no Japanese. She knows Mandarin, or actually no, she knows Kanto. So she knew like some characters and she would be able to like deduct things from the readings. But, you know, when she hears things, she can't understand at all. And I felt a lot of pressure. She told me it was fine. Like she knows that I'm not fluent at all. I'm like literally fifth generation. I don't have anyone to talk to in Japanese. But I felt like this obligation as a Japanese major and someone who's visited multiple times before to be able to navigate everywhere. So whenever, you know, I'd go to the restaurant, kind of like Leah, when she was like, oh, what's this say? I'd be like, one second. And I'd like take <laughs> it into my phone and be like, okay, it means this. As Leah said, it's just like really hard to retain language if you don't have anyone to practice with. And I'm really glad that she understood that as someone who speaks broken canto with her parents. So I definitely felt really pressured, but it was kind of nice, like knowing that I was, I was contributing to the trip in a positive way. I guess to kind of like piggyback off of both of your answers, I think language is a really big thing because one time we went to the Galapagos, um, me and a few friends, and basically they only they speak mostly Spanish there. Like some people speak English, but on like the less populated islands, they don't speak English. So I didn't prepare at all for this trip. It was more like me tagging along with them so they planned everything and I figured they'd have everything figured out people I went with were Chinese they did not learn Spanish before this trip and we were screwed like when we would talk to people I was like I have no idea what they're saying I'd like turn to them they were like you have no idea what they're saying and I was like great you know we're stuck on this island where no one really speaks English and I kind of had a freak out moment just because I felt like we weren't prepared like I didn't plan for this because I thought they'd have it under control but I kind of learned like Mia on her trip in Vietnam to kind of step back and just go with the flow and let them figure it out because they weren't freaking out so I was like maybe I shouldn't be freaking out and you know I'm here so we survived that trip <laughs> um, but that was very stressful for me so I think language is very big and then also just I get along with people who are planners and have a backup plan so as Mia was saying when people freak out because things aren't going as planned I feel like they didn't really plan for things not going as planned so 
I think it's always good to have multiple things to do or multiple schedules to keep up with. What about um, favorite places that you guys have traveled? Hard for me to pinpoint because I feel like I like traveling because of the way it makes me feel. And so it's hard for me to associate that with a specific place, if that makes sense. Because I feel like when I travel, I always come back with this weird sense of like existentialism where I feel like I stepped out of my normal routine and I'm realizing that there's so much more out there and that life can exist outside of the routine I'm used to. And that feeling... I love and that feeling I get any time I'm outside of my routine. So I don't know if it's really hard for me to pick a place because I feel like I get that feeling no matter where I go. But if I had to say one place, because I know I always evade questions like this, I think it would be Taiwan for the night markets just because I love food and I love having rows of food and I love being able to see all the different types of food. I think just nothing brings cultures and people together like food. And so night markets have always been my favorite thing and place. So I'd have to say my favorite place I traveled to was to Shikoku. It's a small island um, in Japan. And we went there for Golden Week while studying abroad. Golden Week is like a week full of holidays where people don't go to work or go to class. Shikoku was very different than anywhere I'd been in Japan. Like I've been to Tokyo, I've been to Kyoto, I've been to Osaka, been to a bunch of big cities, but Shikoku was just an island that was really rich in culture and nature. And I'm really not a city girl, like at heart. I I grew up in the suburbs. I'm very used to that. So I kind of like the slow pace of life there. It's also, there's this town called Matsuyama and it's where Spirited Away was kind of based off of. There's a bathhouse there that was based off of, which was really cool because I love that movie. And it just gave me very like rural, like romanticized small town Japan vibes. And I just felt very at peace there. And I guess it kind of gave me that feeling that Leah had where it's like when you're taken so out of your routine, like I was taken out of the hustle and bustle of the city and just like thrown into nature. I just appreciated slowing down and not exactly relaxing because, you know me, I needed to go do things, but it was nice to to do a lot of things in nature. So I think I'm a lot like Leah where it's really hard for me to pick a place, like my favorite place um, because I've just, again, very blessed, but I've been able to um, just see so much of the world and it's really hard to just pick one favorite place. But I would say my top two or my top three. Vietnam, obviously. Loved Vietnam. Recommend everyone should go to Vietnam, whether you're Asian or not. And then in terms of what Kat was saying, like out of your comfort zone, the place I was most out of my comfort zone was uh, in Fiji. I went to Fiji in high school for this like community service trip. It was not like the Fijian experience that you like see on YouTube like we didn't hit any of the main islands we were mostly on these like rural islands um, with these communities of people that really didn't have any connection to uh, what we would consider like industrial cities and stuff for example like they only had like one car that came in and out of this the their town like once a week with food for everyone and stuff like that and so we stayed there for uh, like four days and we helped them plant over like a thousand pineapples because because the pineapples were going to be then their source of income for the next like year because they would regenerate and stuff. Anytime I'm sort of thrown out of my comfort zone in a place, that place sort of becomes one of my favorite locations to go because it's just so unlike everything that I'm used to. My trip to the Galapagos, it was just so different. Like people were so content with what they had, but I was like, you eat the same food every day. Like, aren't you bored of it? And like, you couldn't like flush your toilet paper. You had to throw it in the trash can. And it was just, it was so different. It was really nice at first, but then I got, I got really sick because my body just like wasn't used to the climate there and the food there. And we were eating so much fish and I never eat fish, like cooked fish. I don't know if that's a thing getting poisoned from cooked fish because it's cooked, but I just wasn't used to it. I was definitely humbled. I can't say it was one of my favorite. Like it was, it's up there, but it's not one of my favorites just because I'm so scarred by how sick I got there. But I know what you mean, Mia, where you're like, wow, I'm so first world country, like in this place. Like they literally all drove like pickup trucks. Like there was no other type of car. It was all pickup trucks. They must like survive just on imports. Like Hawaii, sure, you're an island, but we're very industrialized. Like Galapagos, it was wild. I think the other really humbling experience of that trip was I was staying like with this host family and they had um it was a husband and a wife and they had three kids and not only did they give me like their bed to sleep in and they slept on the floor whenever we would eat a meal they would give me food first and then whatever I basically didn't finish then they would eat I don't know that just really 
stuck with me that there were people in the world that like they have no money you know but like they were willing to have me have their resources before they even feed their own children i was like shocked i just never could imagine that people or places like that existed so i haven't been to too many places outside of asia because i feel like for so long i had this really big void i felt like i had to fill being adopted from china and then never really leaving the states i felt like my first trip always had to be china and it always had to be asia and it had to be these parts of myself that i thought i couldn't have and i always remember on the topic of mia realizing how humbled people were and how completely different lifestyles there are out there that you never get to experience i always just envisioned myself and seeing Asia as a place where I could put myself and imagine a life that I could have had. And so in the future, since I've kind of crossed off some big places in Asia on my list that I'm finally ready to branch out, but for a long time, Asia was this hole that I felt I had to visit and it had to be the first place uh, that I could call my international trip. Do you feel like when you visited Asia, did you feel connected to it? Like, did you feel more at home there than versus in America? No, it's actually really, really hard. I'm, I kind of talked earlier how I said I hated the feeling of not being able to speak for a whole day and not communicate. And ironically, even though I speak really poor Mandarin, it was in China where I felt those feelings because people will look at you and they'll project their thoughts onto you. They'll look at me and they'll see a Chinese girl, but they don't realize that I can't speak or I can't understand. In my eyes, I'm really embarrassed to speak because I know I'm foreign and I know I have a thick accent and I know I don't fit in. And so I wouldn't speak. And there were just days where I would just grab something, put it on the register and like not speak. I just give them the money. And there were days where I'd realize like, I don't even know what my own voice sounds like. And I felt really, really out of place. And it's hard. I mean, that was one trip that I did alone, which probably made it harder. Um, but Ironically, it didn't make me feel like I had found any part of myself or any answers. I feel like being an Asian American, like in terms of language, it can be pretty hard because if you visit Asia, you look Asian, but when you can't speak it that well, people will judge you. But then if someone who looks more foreign, like obviously not of Asian descent, speaks the same thing you say, they'll be so amazed by it. And then on the flip side, you know, living in America, we obviously look Asian. But when we speak English, it doesn't amaze anyone. So I kind of feel like we're like in this middle ground that doesn't impress anyone in terms of languages, really. I had a similar experience to Leah where I thought returning to China should be a big deal because, well, because I'm from there, obviously, and because we were, I was adopted from there, I felt like the first time I stepped foot on the so-called motherland, it should be like kind of a holy trip or something that was really meaningful. Um, and for me, when I went back to China, I again, I went in high school through another like service trip and... We didn't visit the city where I was adopted from. So I think that helped in a sense. So we kind of visited the bigger cities like Beijing and Guangzhou. For me, I had a similar experience to Leah where I looked like I was from there. So everyone would speak to me in Mandarin or Canto, assuming that I could speak. And when I couldn't speak back, it was kind of embarrassing. And because I was with like a group of other Americans who were all white, I don't know. It was a weird dichotomy where I felt like I was part of this group where everyone's like white and American, but I was also like having this own emotional journey by myself. That was really, again, humbling, but it wasn't as what I expected. And I think that when I do go back to China to visit like my hometown, per se, I would want it to be more of a meaningful experience. Kat, did you visit the part of Japan where your family is from? I didn't. I'm not even sure like the information I have is accurate from where my family is from because it's just like my grandma who's Japanese actually had never visited Japan. So information she has might not even be accurate either. But I went through something similar to you guys where I had studied Japanese for a long time, but I was so embarrassed to say anything in Japanese. I'd have friends who don't look Asian at all and they'd speak so confidently and you know they get praised for it but I feel like I just had this feeling that if I said the same thing as them people would be like oh shouldn't you sound like more Japanese because you look Asian so I kind of went through that too but I just found that it was all in my head it was mostly like I feel like speaking to older people like made me scared because I felt like they would judge me but once I sp spoke to peers and like obviously these people knew that I was from America and I spoke English fluently they would 
be really eager to help me practice Japanese and they'd always be eager to practice English with me. So I kind of got over that during my study abroad, but I can't say visiting Japan was, it felt like I had come home or anything. It just felt like everything was so cool when I first visited. It was like everything I thought it would be like, oh, Tokyo is so like lively and there's so many things to look at, so many things to do. But once I had lived there for like six months in college, the magic kind of wore off and I was like, oh, this country has, you know, its setbacks and like there are things that are super annoying about it that I wish were here like it was in America. So I think before I really wanted to live in Japan, but once I had actually kind of lived there, I was like, hmm, never mind. For a long time, I had this life goal to live abroad. And I think it's along the same lines of me thinking that I had to connect with my roots somehow because I felt like I've been so removed from them. And for so long, I had this plan to teach English in China or Taiwan or somewhere where I could completely learn the language. And I think, honestly, a big component of me not doing it is was fear. And language is absolutely the biggest fear I have whenever I travel uh, because I just think it's so fundamental to everything you do. And I finally remember the story that I wanted to share earlier. My friend and I were trying to buy tickets and I was able to buy them, but there was this family who was speaking another language and I couldn't tell you what it was. I'm sure it was Greek or something very um, thick. And so they weren't able to buy tickets because they couldn't speak Chinese. And Amazingly, the Chinese person at the window could speak English. These people who didn't speak Mandarin could speak English. And English was the language that brought them together to be able to communicate. And I thought it was not amazing, but actually kind of egocentric almost. Like, how can English be this thing that everyone wants to learn? It just made me feel really bad almost. Like, here all these people are learning our language, and yet I can't speak Chinese at all. I don't know a lick of Spanish. I don't know a lick of Greek or anything else that other people can speak. And yet English is that resource. I don't know. I took a class in Japan. Um, it was actually taught in English, and I, me and my friend were the only Americans in the class. There were like a, a handful of Japanese students, other study abroad students from other places in Europe and China. Um, but it was basically about how English is not taught in compulsory education in a lot of countries, yet it's expected that people know it. And I could go on like a whole rant about it, but it's just like, it's crazy to think that when I talk to someone, I assume that they're going to speak English to me. I'm not going to try to speak something else to them. Like I had Chinese students in my, my actual classes and our only common language is Japanese. But whenever they spoke Japanese to me, I'd be like, oh, why don't you just speak English to me? Then I realized because they can't. And I felt like such a dick. I was just assuming that they assimilate to me so it's definitely a very egocentric thing to assume that people can speak english so leah you mentioned that knowing the language of where you're traveling to is one of the most essential things is there anything else for you guys that's very difficult in terms of traveling i have the constant fear that i'm gonna forget something super important <laughs> and i think there's just that that anxiety is really hard when you're traveling and not only that I love traveling, but I hate flying. The flights actually kind of make me anxious and definitely induce like fears, worst case scenarios pop up into my head. And so I actually think like getting to the destination is actually really difficult. And I also worry about how am I going to get to these places? I kind of want like a step by step. I'm the type of person who puts Google Maps street view to see what exact entrance I'm taking. And so when a lot of that is unknown with travel, that's really hard for me to cope with and kind of let settle. I think that's true though. Like, dude, I have anxiety dreams still to this day of me moving out of Japan after study abroad and like me just forgetting to pack a bunch of my shit. Once I printed out sentences in Mandarin where I could rehearse them and practice them so I knew things I could ask and I just get so anxious about everything. You know how a lot of people like our age are like oh I love traveling like I want to travel all the time like in theory I feel like that sounds great but I actually like kind of hate all the anxiety that comes with traveling like when I'm actually traveling there's a 50 50 chance that I'm like oh my god I just I wish I wasn't traveling right now but after I'm like oh that was so fun I want to do it again exactly <laughs> same I think one of the things I struggle with most when I travel is staying on a responsible budget and just money, generally speaking, I feel like I'm always out to find like the best deal or or sometimes I splurge. I'm like, I'm on vacation. I can do what I want. 
That was very much my attitude in Vietnam, especially because everything was so cheap, but I was like blowing money left and right. And because there's an exchange rate, I feel like when I'm traveling in the States, I'm way different with money. Like I'm trying to find the cheapest Airbnb, the cheapest free experiences to do, um, good restaurants, but again, on a budget. And I think that's something that uh, probably a lot of us deal with. I think for me, it's maintaining a healthy diet. Like when I travel, I just eat so many carbs and so much meat and just so much dessert and consume so many drinks that I just feel like I need to like get in a salad or something. But even then, I don't want to like waste my money on a salad abroad or like traveling. But that's really hard for me. And I don't know about you guys, but sometimes when I travel, I feel like my poop schedule is way off. It's like I'm pooping like every three days and I'm like, this is not normal. Like I need fiber. But I think that's that's very difficult for me because then when my diet's bad, it's not just, you know, that schedule that gets off, but my body starts to feel not so great and I might start to break out or I might start to feel more fatigued. So that's definitely difficult for me. Oh, break out. That was like a trigger word because I feel like <laughs> my skin freaked the heck out when I was in Vietnam. Like I started breaking out uncontrollably and I I just didn't know what to do. I was just like... You can ask Leah. I kept like FaceTiming her being like, I want to take photos, but I have this huge zit on my face. Just like Photoshop girl. I'm like, oh, they're going to be every photo. I'm just going to have this huge zit. It's it's definitely hard to maintain like healthy routines when you're traveling. Like my skincare routine goes to shit when I travel. That reminds me of when I went to Japan and the Galapagos. I just have like really sweet blood or something, but mosquitoes attacked me mm. and they did not attack the people I was with both times. And my legs were covered in like, I, like I kid you not, like twenty mosquito bites on each leg, and it was so ugly, and I was so itchy, and I was so pissed, and just annoyed all the time. And every time I'd scratch my legs, my friends would be like, "Don't do that," and be like, "You don't have any bites. You don't know how this feels." And I just keep scratching them. But I even I still have scars from like my Japan trip in October, which is crazy. So that was really annoying. I totally hear you on the mosquito bites. I must also have sweet blood because they come after me, and mine. I don't know about you, Kat, but my mosquito bites welt up like hives. They look like hives. Like they just, ugh, they suck. I hate mosquitoes. No, that happens to me too because like I'd get bitten and I wouldn't notice it. And then I'd look down and there'd be like this big mound, big pink yeah. mound. And my friend would be like, oh, did you scratch it? I'd be like, no, this is literally what it looks like before I scratch it. It's so sad. That kind of segues into the topic of nightmare stories from traveling. Have you guys ever experienced like a really high stress event or something that happened to you that you're like, oh, wow, this is this is going to make a great story later, but I'm freaking out right now. I do have a nightmare travel story and it's definitely funny looking back. Um, I booked an Airbnb in Tokyo and I think there's some unspoken word where Airbnbs are illegal because it was very hidden where you couldn't really tell anyone you're at an Airbnb and there's very specific rules I had to follow to get the access code and the keys and all of that. And so obviously I didn't have Wi-Fi and apparently our code had been updated between the time I originally printed the documentation and then we got there. And so my friend and I got to the Airbnb place, we were entering our code and we weren't being let in. And so we we're just freaking out thinking that they completely gypped us, um, that we don't have any place to stay. It was really late at night. I remember it was dark out essentially and no one was out and about. And so we were also staying in not the city. So we were a couple stops away. And so my friend and I were walking the street looking for a hostel and we found one we walked in and we pretty much paid all cash for the nights the stay that we had just lost and then while at that hostel while we were paying I got wi-fi I got the email I realized I had the wrong code so we ran back to the Airbnb to try to enter the right code to see if we could get in. Lo and behold, we get in so then we sprint back to the hostel begging the man to give us back our cash <laughs> and I was on the verge of a mental breakdown. And my friend was negotiating. Thank God he spoke English because if there was a language barrier, you know I'd be, <laughs> you know I'd be breaking down already. But that was definitely a nightmare, and I definitely realized that it kind of was my fault because I printed that itinerary like a month prior <laughs> and didn't update it. <laughs> so um, that was a nightmare. But it's kind of funny in hindsight because my friend was just we're both freaking out and she's like Leah keep it together don't cry in front of him <laughs> and she was trying to negotiate so we could get our money back from the hostel did you get your money back we did he was really 
nice. He was like, you know, I really normally don't do this, but he could he could sense the energy, and so he did let us um, get our money back. But it was terrifying because the Airbnb was also nice. Like we had our own private room, but the hostel was like a bed. You're like, you're like a microwave. You just slid in there, and I I saw a shirtless man, and I was just like, this is gonna be our stay. I was just like ready to accept it, and. I was like, this is not what I expected. It was just like a rough start. Um, but it's definitely funny think, looking back on it. I've been to some pretty seedy hostels. If you can afford not mm-hmm. to be in a hostel, then <laughs> that's the way to yeah, go. For, for real budget trips. Yeah, exactly. Like, I went to a hostel once and it was like six beds in one room. And it was yeah. four of those beds <laughs> were me and my friends. But there is a guy and he snored so freaking loud. I was like, I'm not going to survive here. Yeah, you gotta at least get the hostels where they separate men and women <laughs> so that you're at least not sleeping, like, below a shirtless man or something. I have two nightmare stories, but I'll keep them short because, well, because they're nightmare stories and I'm embarrassed by them. First one was when I was in South Africa. I was in high school, so I didn't understand the severity of malaria. Like, I knew what malaria was, but, like, I didn't know <laughs> how bad it was. So before you go to South Africa, you can opt to get a malaria uh, shot or like to take these pills. I was going in the season where there were apparently supposedly weren't mosquitoes or a lot of mosquitoes. So I opted no malaria medications because there are side effects. So fast forward, we're in South Africa. We're kids. We get our hand on alcohol (laughs) and we start drinking. Basically, it was my first time like drinking, drinking. My (laughs) drunk high school self decided it would be smart to write an email to my mom. With a little update on how my trip's going. So I drunk write my mom an email about how my time in South Africa. And I mentioned that I'm getting a lot of mosquito bite. Because again, back to me having sweet blood. Which I was, but it was fine. And I mindlessly said, like, I wouldn't be surprised if I didn't have malaria or something. <laughs> it was so stupid. Anyway, I press send. South Africa is a different time zone. I go to bed. I wake up in the morning to like our counselor person wakes me up and is like, did you write to your mom last night? And I was like, yeah. It's like, okay, well, your mom thinks you have malaria and has gotten on the phone with the head of the camp and is prepared to send an evac helicopter to us in the middle of fucking South Africa, middle of nowhere, because she needs to, she wants to get you to hospital. (laughs) I'm like, oh my god, I don't have malaria. This is insane. So we had left the place, so there wasn't, like, Wi-Fi. So I had to use this solar telephone. I called my mom. She's, like, in court. So she calls me back, and she was like, just a lot of curse words, basically. (laughs) And I explained the situation, and she doesn't think it's funny, and she hangs up. And then, like, we didn't talk for the rest of, like, the month that I was there. That was like, but when I got home, I got an earful about that and how you can't joke about having malaria. (laughs) That was bad. That was bad. I admit that that's bad, and I understand the severity of malaria now, and that's definitely not something I should be joking about. And then, sorry, the second one's really short, but when we were in Vietnam, we were, like, watching the waves one night i sat on this what looked like a hotel lounger that was left in the sand and so i was sitting on it watching the waves and my boyfriend didn't want to sit so he was just standing nearby and i sat for maybe like five minutes and when i got up to leave i was like surrounded by these group of vietnamese thugs i guess you could say and they just started shouting at me and demanding money and then my boyfriend stepped in and was like trying to explain the situation and they were like this is our bench she sat in it she has to pay us what was equivalent to like 100 usd then we tried calling the police and the police hung up on us because they're not the same severity in Vietnam, you could say. Like, they're not a threat to people. And so we ended up calling uh, my boyfriend's cousin, and he basically talked them down and let us go. But it was really scary because, yeah, I was just, like, surrounded by these people, and they wouldn't let me leave. It all worked out in the end. Definitely a nightmare. I remember you came back and you told me that, and I just put myself in your shoes. <laughs> and I honestly think if, like, if you're not with someone who speaks the language, we totally would have been out a hundred dollars. I would just would have paid it and paid for my safety at that point. But definitely a nightmare when you don't feel safe in a country where you don't speak the language. Totally. What about you, Cap? I can't follow your stories. Your stories are so good. <laughs> No, no, no. I mean, thank God you don't have them, honestly. I hope no one has nightmare stories, but... Mine is... it's It happened while I was traveling, but I can't say it was travel-specific, but growing up in Hawaii and, like, having learned how to swim, bef- like, you know, when I was learning how to walk, I was never scared of the water or the ocean, but when we went to the Galapagos 
Um, we went on a, a few like diving trips. I don't have my diver's license, so I went free diving, which is basically like snorkeling. <laughs> but what they did was the first time we went, um, when we went snorkeling, there was always a guide with us and there was like a lifesaver and like the guide like swam us through these rocks and it was like, it was very safe. Like I felt very safe. But the second diving trip we went on with a different company, they had people guiding the divers, but for the snorkelers, they just kind of like, it was just me and my friend who were snorkeling. He didn't want me to feel bad for not having a diver's license. So he swam with me and they just kind of like threw us in the middle of the ocean was like, yeah, okay, we're going to you know, you'll see the boat at all times, whatever, but we're going to like go around and pick up all the divers first and then we'll come back and pick you up. So just like, you know, have fun like swimming. And basically they put us between these like two like giant rocks and they said to swim along the side of one of the rocks and then swim over to the other rock and then swim along that side to like seed that reef. So what we did was we swam along the first rock and then we were trying to swim to the second rock and like it didn't look that far, but the current was really strong and if you can just imagine like kind of like a circle, but then there's a break, you know, in the circle. So the two rocks were kind of like two semicircles. We were trying to swim from one to the other, but the tide just kind of like pushed us out of the center of the circle. So I thought the boat was never going to find us. And I actually like freaked out. I was like about to have a panic attack in the water, which is the worst place to have a panic attack. My friend was just trying to calm me down like, oh, like they're not going to leave us here. They're not going to forget us. Like, you know, we're the only ones in the ocean. They're going to see us even if we drift far apart. I'm like, no, we're going to drown out here. Like, this is it. We're going to die. And after that, I like didn't want to go on the second trip. Like we had lunch and then they were going to drop us off again. But I was like, I can't do it. So what I did was I watched my friend snorkel by himself in the water. And he was fine. Like he was like drifting like left and right. But he didn't he didn't care because he knew that we were going to pick him up. And I was going to make sure that he was going to get picked up. But that was one of the scariest experiences of my life. And I think I respect the ocean a lot more than I already did. I totally know what you mean, Kat. I won't get into this story, but when I was taking my advanced certification for, for diving, I failed the navigation portion because I got lost underwater. And it was it was frightening. And the thing is, like, I'm a pretty strong swimmer, but once you start panicking, you you forget how to swim. Like, I, I never understood how people could drown, but now I totally understand it. When you travel somewhere, do you guys try to, like, do as the locals do, or do you kind of do everything, like, touristy? Like, do you just look up things online and do the whole list of things? I definitely like to do touristy things. <laughs> I definitely Google, like, the top 10 places to visit in this country or even in the city. Um, and I try to narrow it down based on vicinity. I'm like the type to map it out and kind of see all the attractions that there are um, to that specific location. But I will say I do like immersing myself in a culture to the extent that I can with the resources I have, because I feel like you never really get that true experience if you're only in a place for a couple days or even a week. So it's really hard to fully understand the lifestyle. I would say most of the time when I travel, it's pretty tourist, uh, touristy related in base. Mine's probably the same. I definitely do the highlights of wherever I'm going and I want to, I want to do those things. But again, I think it probably depends too on where I'm going, especially if it's a somewhere that I've been before. I always try then for like a second trip somewhere to definitely do more as the locals do. But yeah, I mean, just obviously how much time you have in a place and stuff. Yeah, definitely tourist things are fun. When it comes to food, though, I think for sure I like to do as the locals do um, because they definitely have the best recommendations for for places to eat. And then you don't get like caught in the sort of the tourist scams, obviously. Yeah, I feel like doing the touristy things is just the easiest things to do, like if you follow like people on Instagram who travel, then it's easy to just go where they've been because you're like, oh, you know, that looks cool. I could have that same experience. But I think on the flip side, whenever people ask me what to do in Hawaii, I always tell them the most touristy things to do. So I think it's just like the easiest recommendations, like the, the universal <laughs> activities to do and the things that will guarantee fun, really. So obviously our travel plans have been hindered sort of by our current situation, which is COVID-19. Putting that aside, like what are some future travel plans that you guys have or want to do? Um, sort of any bucket list places that you've always wanted to hit? All of us were supposed to go to Bali this year, <laughs> but um, that's on hold. It's still on my list of places to visit. I also finally want to venture out into non-Asian countries. I definitely want to visit Greece, Spain, 
Paris, Italy. I mean, all of those European staples out there that I haven't had the interest yet, but it's there now. I've never been to Europe, but I honestly don't have the hugest desire to go there. I do want to go to Greece just because it's a little like nice seaside town, but I think for the most part, I really want to visit the Philippines. My mom was born in Hawaii, but she lived in the Philippines for a few years of her life, and I don't know, I just feel like being half Filipino, I should go there and visit. I know that it's not the most politically safe place right now, and where my mom's from is actually like super poor, so I wouldn't even be able to visit like where my mom lived without her coming, and she told me she'd never take me there, so I'd probably just go to like Manila or like one of the big cities there, but I really do want to visit the Philippines one day. My travel plans are kind of all over the place. I for sure... A big one that was on my list this year that I really wanted to hit was Banff National Park in Canada. Um, just because, yeah, it looks amazing and everything's outdoors and always wanted to be- go there. So obviously that's put on hold this year. Yeah, some of my goals are just like longer term. Like I want to be able to hit like 100 countries in my life. I'm on- like only, <laughs> it's not only. I'm probably at like around 30 countries now. So I, I have a long ways to go, but I Definitely, that's always been something, a bucket list, that I want to hit at least 100 countries in my lifetime and hit at least every continent once. So that's really important um, in terms of my travel goals. And then, yeah, more specifically, because I feel like I have done a lot of Europe, I want to do like a larger scale Asia trip. Yeah, other than that, obviously, it's hard to think ahead with everything going on in the world. It's important to have travel goals and to see the world and step out of your shell. So Anyway, I think that is a good place to wrap this week. So we appreciate you guys listening and we hope you're staying healthy and happy in quarantine. Let us know some of the places that you've visited, some of your favorites, and if you have any recommendations for us once this is all over. And if you heard anything tonight that, you know, resonated with you or places you want us to talk more about, feel free to let us know in the comments of our Instagram page, which is yappyhour.podcast. And thanks for listening, and be sure to tune in next week for another episode. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.